Our second uh, lesson, or our, rather our only lesson today, is from uh, Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. And it's his instructions to uh, the Corinthian community there on what it means to uh, be followers of Christ as, uh, and what it means to be a Christian community. And he roots this conversation in um, a talk of their table meal together in worship the practice of the early church that grew more and more into what we know as communion today. And so, uh, friends, I invite you with open hearts and minds to listen as we encounter God's word together from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the 11th chapter, beginning with the 17th verse. Now, I don't praise you as I give the following instruction, because when you meet together, it does more harm than good. First of all, when you meet together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. It's necessary that there are groups among you to make it clear who is genuine. So when you get together in one place, it isn't to eat the Lord's meal. Each of you goes ahead and eats a private meal. One person goes hungry while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? What can I say to you? Will I praise you? No, I don't praise you in this. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink of it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in our lesson today, we hear Paul's instructions to the church in Corinth on their table practices. Now, as a strategic city in the ancient Roman Empire, Corinth had a very diverse population in socioeconomic terms. And the Christian community gathered there was no different. In it, there were rich and poor folks alike. And this is the community Paul is addressing. He reminds them of their divisions early and often throughout the letter and prods them to find their unity in Christ. These divisions and differences take on an even more apparent character when they get together at the Lord's table to share a meal. Listen to what Paul tells them again. This time, listen to it um, from Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation of the Bible. I read uh, in, our, in our scripture lesson from the Common English Bible. Listen to uh, some of these words again from uh, The Message. And then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. You come together, and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I would never have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. See, back then, communion was not at all like it is today. 
We get a little morsel of bread and grape juice. That's even going to be more apparent uh, today with our little sealed packages. But back then, it was a full meal. Bread and wine were at the forefront, but it was the evening meal. It was more like a potluck supper than a small taste. And Christians gathered in their communities for these meals regularly, where, like us, they would remember Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and seek to grow in Christ together through the sharing of bread and cup. So it was a meal. And for the poorer folks in the community, it may very well have been the only meal they would have that day, after a long day working in the fields, or in building, or um, other very difficult modes of labor. You can imagine how hungry they would be when they gathered for worship. And here's where Paul gets upset. The wealthier folks who probably do not work the long hours are to provide the food for the meal, and so they get there early to set up. Like any other faithful church kitchen volunteer or worship committee uh, member. But these kitchen volunteers, instead of providing the food, they would consume it all before the rest of their community could even get there. So it would be like volunteering to prepare a supper for the church, inviting a few of your friends to help, and then finishing it all before everyone else arrives. You see the ridiculousness? So did Paul. Paul uses this as an opportunity to teach them again about the significance of our Lord's table and how the sacramental act of the church extends into the rest of the Christian life. So what really matters in this act of communion? The presence of Christ. We trust, we proclaim that in this act, we meet Christ and he feeds us with this very life and love. We are united with Christ in this act. When he meets us, uh, we're, we're united with him in this, but we're also united with one another. And this is a message we need to be reminded of, friends. In this unprecedented time of COVID, when our congregation this morning is worshiping together and gathering at table together, inside, outside, and even virtually, we need to be reminded that Christ meets and feeds us here, and that through this act we are brought closer, we're united with him, and brought together with one another as a community in this act. In this time when our community and nation is so divided and can hardly agree on a thing, we need to be reminded that in this act, if even for just a moment, we are all one in Christ, that he has brought us together as his body and feeds us with his life and love. This doesn't mean that we'll all magically agree after doing this. But what it does mean is that this act can remind us that we share our identity in him. We're reminded of this at his table, that he invites us to join him and one another, and to truly see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's hope and prayer is that this central act of the Christian faith, where we gather at the Lord's table to meet our risen Lord and grow together in him, that this act will extend to the rest of our lives, transforming the ways that we relate to one another. My worship professor in seminary, Paul Galbraith, shared a story about a church in a poor community in Brazil who wanted to show that our practices at our dinner tables should reflect what we do at the Lord's table. 
When they celebrated communion, people were encouraged to bring their coffee mugs home, uh, from home to worship with them. When it came time for communion, each worship attendee would receive bread, and the, the pastor would pour wine into the mug that they brought from home. Over the course of the year, this worshiping community reflected how this practice connected worship with their daily life. The simple act transformed the way they viewed eating and drinking. When they drank coffee at home, they were reminded of being fed by Christ at the community table. Galbraith reflected that in this process, their own coffee cups became a sign of the sacred and served as constant reminders of the presence of Christ not only at the table in church, but at their own dining table. Friends, being fed at the Lord's table means that you are changed forever. Meeting our risen Lord here transforms the ways we engage the world and live our daily lives. It means we can never be the same again. How can this meal transform the way you view your own dining habits? How might it transform the way you view equity and community? As we gather together today, in person, indoors, outdoors, online, and so on, may we be reminded that Christ meets and feeds us here at his table, uniting us with him and with one another, forever changing us. Amen. <laughs>